Any fans of the Christmas story out there? Somebody act like you've never seen that? Come on, you've seen. Uh, very few people have sat down and watched the whole thing, right? Normally you watch like four minutes, you catch it on TBS, and you, you see a couple parts. Uh, I, I don't know if, if on the way in you, you thought it would be wrong at 11 o'clock in the, after, in, like in the morning to have popcorn, but if you didn't get popcorn and you want some, would you raise your hand? We, I heard some people like digging into, come on, some of you want popcorn. We've got a thousand bags. Eat it, people. You're going to eat it. You're going to like it. You're going to like it. Raise your hand. I want to make sure that you get some popcorn. Now, I've got to welcome to everyone who's online and watching right now. A lot of our community is online. I've got to tell you guys, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but we're doing this at the movie series. And yeah, raise your hand if you need popcorn, people. We're going to make sure that this happens, okay? It's important. It's part of the experience. It's part of the experience. If you got those pops, don't worry about it. Just open it up right now. I call it pop. That's how you know I lived in Michigan, okay? Right. Uh, our online community, if, you, if you're watching right now, you might be a little bit confused because of what you just witnessed. I think it's amazing. Uh, we are not allowed, uh, because of copyright law, to show all of the original clips of the movies, right? And we, we can't tell you which movie we're going to be watching every week. Then we're walking to this at the movie series. We're just going to surprise you. Come out. They're all going to be great. But here's how it works for the online audience. <laughs> Uh, we, had, we, we got our staff involved, and we went and recreated every scene. You know, not the whole movie, but all the scenes. And so this week, my oldest son, Riley, plays Ralphie, right? And we got uh, the whole staff is involved watching every one of these scenes. And so I, I'm, excited, I'm so excited for you online because you're having a complete different awesome experience. And I think some of you, like people are grabbing their phones right now. They're like, you've seen this version. You want to see the staff act out their version. Uh, you, you might have to check it out later this week because... A whole lot of fun. So online, you're watching our version, and, and we, we've real, got some real thespians. I'm telling you, the acting is amazing. I'm expecting some Academy Awards uh, for our team for the work they put in to some of these scenes. Uh, but this is, for me, this is the classic coming-of-age movie. Ra- Ralphie has got this vivid imagination. I mean, he, he's got a glossy lens, right? He's got this glorified version of how things were as he, older Ralphie, kind of narrates and looks back on this coming of age Christmas season for him. And in this vivid dream life, it's almost like a very fake version, a very skewed version of what reality is. And what's happening in Ralphie's life is he's viewing this whole world that he is growing up in here in northern Indiana, right, uh, where this movie takes place, and he's viewing it through one lens. I want that gun. I want that. And what, what I think is so great about this movie is that we can all, it doesn't matter how old we are, we can put ourselves in this eight-year-old boy's shoes because we know what it's like, right, to, to, to look out at life and be like, I'm going after this. There's something I want. I want that. And this one thing that Ralphie wants is he says with everything in his eight-year-old being, I want that. What's happening is it's, it's a lens by which he is viewing the world. Uh, if you are familiar with the movie, he's got to do a he's got to do a class paper on what do you want for Christmas. I mean, that's the thing that we're going to be hearing right now, and that's the thing we're asking kids in our lives right now. Maybe our spouse, like, what do you want for Christmas? And as as, as Ralphie is encountering everything in his life, it's viewed through the lens of how do I get that? So the school paper becomes how is he going to get this Red Rider BB gun? 
My, my favorite line in that whole clip we just saw was when he's sitting there, you know, and he's getting ready to go get him. He's like, it's a good thing I got a compass on the stock. I mean, he has bought all of the marketing angles for this thing, hook, line, and sinker. I mean, he's dialed into the marketing on this gun. And so his school assignments about it, his anger, he's got problems with bullies. Like his anger with bullies is going to be solved through this gun. His pecking order in the, the kind of the, the boyhood trap that runs the neighborhood is going to be solved through this. All of his problems are going to be solved if he can get this Red Rider BB gun. I want that, he says. I think for uh, a lot of us, if we, if we think critically about some of the things we watch, it, it doesn't matter if we're eight years old anymore or not. We can kind of put ourselves in that place. There's really something deep and profound that's happening in this movie because most of us have not progressed past being an eight-year-old child. And we say, I want that. And then we start to go after things in our life with reckless abandon, right? And when things get in our way, we plow through them. Kind of like with the the unsettledness that we see in Ralphie as the movie progresses. The Apostle James actually writes about this in his letter to the church, James chapter 4. He describes what's happening in Ralphie's life and sometimes our lives and we say, I want that. He says this in verse 1. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You you ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. I mean, tension starts to build up in our life between anyone that stands between us and what we want when we say, I want that. And this is a season unlike any other season. I love it because in in, in some ways the world kind of stops and has to acknowledge the historicalness that Christ was a real person that walked this earth and he's got some claims. And for a season, the world kind of struggles with and wrestles with the person of Jesus and what we'll do with him in our lives. I love that struggle because decisions are made. We almost have like this section of our, our auditorium here is pretty much a splash zone, right? Because uh, people weekly have, are, are saying, I, I believe that Jesus is the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and I want to follow him with my whole life. And so if you sit up here, you're probably going to get wet, right? And so we put family members up there because they're, they're, they're the most excited about that. That's, what, that's what's kind of going on with this season. We're all asking some of those main questions. And really, what are we going to focus on? For Jen and I, uh, as we kind of look at this season uh, and, and pick out the things that we're going to focus on, one of the things we always say and uh, we've talked about it in the last 24 hours, we make these promises to one another. We say, we are going to do this as a family. We're going to set the Christmas tree up, and we're not going to argue at all. It's just a goal we have. In 24 years of marriage, with kids or without kids, we've tried kick the kids out and decorate, let the kids help decorate. It doesn't matter. There, there is something that's going to happen. Like when we get together and decorate that tree, we're going to have, it's just going to be the biggest fights of the year. I don't know what it is. It, and we try to set the mood right. We try to get the Christmas music on. We talk about it. We look at one another in the eyes before we open any box and we just say, I love you. Right? 
Like, you know that I love you, right? And it, 15 minutes in, it's like we are like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's WrestleMania. People are looking for chairs, right? It's crazy. But that's what's happening. I mean, all of us, we're, we're asking major questions like, how do I know what areas to focus on? And what happens when I get too focused on the wrong things? And we say, I want that. And that's the wrong thing maybe to want. And really, at, at the bottom of all of this, we're asking larger questions. How do I know that the gospel, the news about Jesus, will really change my life? And why did Jesus really come? And maybe at the bottom of all of that, how do I and should I really trust Jesus as the thing I want most? Something starts to happen, however, when we go after some of the things that we want. And uh, Ralphie experiences this. Uh, maybe you can relate. Check this out. Is that not the line, right? I mean, if there's one line in every Christmas movie, uh, besides, you know, maybe Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie, uh, it's that one. You'll shoot your eye out. That in our home, uh, if someone asks for something and they need something and the answer is going to be no, we don't say no. We just say, you'll shoot your eye out. And they know what that means. It's a definitive no. And this is what Ralphie is doing when we all say, I want that, is what we all do, right? Ralphie is trying to get people around him to corroborate, to get in on his plan for his life, to get him where he wants to go. And this is exactly what we do. When we want something, we start to get people around us that will move us towards that. When we're, we, he gets fixated and we all get fixated and we will literally shut people out of our lives that don't agree with us. We'll be like, I'm not supposed to date that person. You don't think so? Okay, shun. We're done. No longer Facebook friends, right? We just cut people out digitally, legitimately cut them out. And here's what's crazy. You can find... You can find a news outlet. You can find a forum. You can find a group of friends. You can find whatever you need to surround yourself with to agree with whatever it is that you think you want. Like that happens all the time. He's like, I, when you want something, you want to go after it, you'll start to naturally gravitate towards people in your life that are like, that's a good idea. You should do that. That's awesome. Like that's going to be great for you. And people that will stand up and be like, that's, that's not a really good thing for you. You'll just start to eventually shut them out. This is talked about when Paul writes to Timothy. Timothy's this young pastor. Paul writes a couple of letters to Timothy. And the second letter he writes, he talks about this thing. He says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Now pause just for a minute there. I want you hear what that is like sound doctrine. Sounds a little bit churchy. Let me just break that down for you. Paul's saying sound doctrine is what we believe essentially to be true that Jesus is the son of God and that he lived a perfect life and he died on a cross. And that death on a cross, his blood that was spilt on that cross, it covers our sins so that we can have a right relationship with God. And God does not see us as we truly are as sinners. When we come in here and sometimes we sing songs, right? We sing a song today. It says, this song says, for God is for us and God is with us. And you might walk in here and, and, and say, man, I feel that. That feels true. Here's sound doctrine. That is only true if you have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. That might sound crazy. Like, I'm not taking a bloodbath, man. I don't know. 
No, here, here's what that means. You have had a surrender moment with Jesus where you say, I used to want things of the world and now I want you more than anything else. And you surrender. We call that inviting the spirit of God to come and live in your life and then obedience to baptism. This, this idea of coming into a right relationship with God, that is sound doctrine. It's, it's dangerous that you could come and be around God's people, feel good being with God's people, sing some things on a screen that are true about God's people, but not be one of God's people because you have not made a personal declaration that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and you seek him first and foremost. When Paul says sound doctrine, that's what's built into that. You got to know that. Go back to the text. Here's what he says. This is the nugget. Instead, to suit their own desires... They will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And you talk about like vivid imagery here. You ever, ever have something that itches and you keep scratching at it? And mom's like, hey, quit picking at that. Quit. That's all my mom said to me for like five years, right? As you look at them, constantly bruised up, playing outside. And she's like, quit picking at that, right? Because what happens when something itches is you're, just, you're going for it, right? And some of us have got ears, that are itching. And what, what they want is they, they want to hear what they want to hear. They want to hear what sounds good. They want to hear what corroborates, what aligns with their own version of what they're trying to get. So some of us, we're after some things. Like Ralphie, we have said, I want that. And now we're looking for people that will help us get that or affirm our pursuit of that. What's crazy about this verse here is it says, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers. Can I tell you what I found to be true? Is that if there's something that I want and it's, it's not good for me or it's, it's wrong or it's not the right time, I can find a great number of people to be like, go get it. You deserve it. Man, that's gonna complete you. That's gonna make your life great. I can find so many people to do that. You know what I have a hard time finding? I have a hard time finding people that will will love me, the person, more than they'll love our relationship. And will stand up and speak truth and say, it's wrong. It's not the right time. It goes against God's word. That'll actually hurt you and hurt other people. Don't do it. Stop. Some of us, maybe, are in a scenario where you're loving the relationship, what the relationship gives you more than you're loving the person, and you are a part of a great number of teachers affirming some things in people's life that will lead them straight to destruction. And what's the line? You'll shoot your eye out. And you're like, oh no, no, it's completely safe. You should stand five feet away from a metal object and just let that Red Rider BB gun go. Nothing's gonna happen. You'll never shoot your eye out. The problem is, is that people start to become resources and commodities that we all use to get what we want. Ralphie, you know, Ralphie's, he's going after Santa. He's like, I'm going to get Santa on my side. If I get Santa on my side, I'm going to get the gun, right? I love how uh, this movie wraps up. I, I think that there's something just deeply profound about this movie. You just look at the outside. It's not an eight-year-old boy trying to get a BB gun for Christmas. There's something actually happening that speaks a lot to us. And this is like my dream come true. If we could go to the movies as a family and I could pause it every now and then and just stand up to strangers and be like, hey, can I tell you what God's word has to say about this right now? Like that'd be my dream come true because God's word has got wisdom and it's got something to tell you. Check out this last clip. Oh my goodness, man. I, 
I remember seeing that for the first time, and he stands in front of that, and I'm like, he really, it's all, everyone's been telling him the whole movie, you can shoot your eye out. His kid's going to shoot his eye out. I want that, we say. We're, we're still kind of like an eight-year-old Ralphie. There's things that we want. I, I don't know the things that you're pursuing in life, and some of them, honestly, they, it could be some good things. Sometimes, you know, you're pursuing good things. Anything that becomes more important than Jesus becomes an idol. And, and he doesn't want that because you're not built for that. You're built to pursue the greatness and the goodness of God and the, relation, the depth of relationship that he wants with us. You know, that's what we're built for. And anytime something gets in front of that, good or not, he is a jealous God and he will patiently, but he will come and he will orchestrate circumstances that allow us to see the consequences of pursuing anything but him. And Jesus stands, I, I believe, he stands at the beginning of this season and he tells us this, I've got what you really want. I've got what you really want. Jesus tells this so clearly. I mean, it's like he, just, he jumps out of this account in John with a woman at a well, and he speaks it directly to you today at home. He says it to here in the audience. He says this, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's sitting at a well, and he's talking about physical water. He said, you're going to be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The way the movie starts is, to me, it kind of sums up our lives. You know, it's that Christmas scene and all the kids run downtown and they put their noses on the window. You ever been to New York City at Christmas time? And I love to go and look in all the windows because every, every window is like a piece of artwork. I mean, someone took painstaking time to dress it and it's, you know, the trains and all the little villages and the things that you can get. And you see all the boys from the neighborhood run down to the, the department store and they put their noses on the window and they're asking, they're asking this simple question, like, what, what, what do I want? What do, I, what do I want out of life? There's some fun stuff in there. And you see Ralphie's eyes light up. And his whole life then becomes the pursuit after that one thing. And I ask this question. As you stand at the great window of life and you put your nose up, your fingerprints up as not a child anymore, but a, an adult maybe. And you start to look in at the things that this world has to offer you that are shiny, that have promises of completing you, fulfilling you, helping you, making your life better, like finally getting there. Like, what are those things that, that you've maybe put a focus on and you've gone after that and Jesus is standing here right now and he's saying, hey, I will give you life and water that will make you never thirst again and it will be a, a constant source of life in you. And all these other things, maybe they're not all bad, but they won't sustain. Who do you think has dressed that window? I mean, when, when you stand there, it's not, not the eight-year-old you, but like the, the slightly older version of you, and you put your nose against that glass, and you look at all the things you can pursue in this life, who do you think has dressed that window? God's Word tells us that, I mean, it's the Saturday Night Live answer. Could it be Satan? Right? Church lady, remember that? 
Satan, little g, is the god of this age. And he has some limited power over this earth. And what he has done is he has, he has set the window. And some of us have got our eyes set on some things, and I'm just going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to shoot your eye out. And you're sick of hearing it. And tons of people have told you. But your itching ears have found other people that have been like, no, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make everything great. See, this isn't your first Christmas. This isn't the, the, the first thing that you've gone after in that window. Some of us in this room, some of us at home, we have shot our eye out. And then we've orchestrated, we've manufactured some story, and we've faked out mom. We faked out dad. We faked out some friends. And we've just gravitated to the next thing. Can I tell you? You're probably going to shoot your eye out with that too. It's not going to be all of that. And maybe you're just at a place where you're tired of continually getting hurt. Can, can I tell you what it leads to is you're, you're searching after things that you want and they're, they're not things that God has put in front of you and said, search this out. Let me give you one last verse today. What a great verse for us to end on. Matthew 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. As we embark on a season, as we start on a season, can we marvel around the thing that Jesus will do that will really sustain us? Can we marvel around the idea that Jesus will save us from our sins, our shame, our guilt, the continue uh, kind of life cycle pattern of going after something and shooting our eye out. Jesus will be like, enough, it's done. He will bring peace. He will bring joy. He will bring sustainability into your life. You'll never be thirsty again. I think what Ralphie really needed in that moment was a surrender moment, right? Not a cover-up moment, not a manufactured story. Ralphie needed to just put his palms up and say, Mom, you are right. <laughs> I, I almost shot my eye out. I'm going to need some help in life. When you do that, every single time, Jesus rushes in. His specialty is when we're most broken. Are you sick and tired of putting your nose up against that window and pursuing something and have it not fill you up? Stop the madness. Seek Jesus. Father, I, I pray for this season that we're walking into. And Jesus, right now, uh, I ask that you would knock loud. You, you describe yourself as standing at the door to our heart and knocking. Would you knock loud right now? Spirit of the living God, would you invade our homes where people are watching? Some people, you, it's Tuesday and you're catching up on church. You're watching this for the first time. Would you invade Tuesday morning? Would you invade this room that we're in right now? And Spirit of the living God, would you very clearly speak to us about some of the things that we're pursuing more than you, Jesus? And would you stop us in our tracks and have us marvel at the fact that you came to take away our sin? Would you speak so clearly to us? Some of us have had a lot of Christmases and we've said we've wanted a lot of things. And this year might be a year that we just do things differently.
and it could impact generations to come. It's in your name we, we begin this season by making that request, Lord. It's the very thing that, that you want to do. And so we know that when we pray in your name and we pray your will, it's going to happen. So we praise you today because we hear you knocking on the door of our hearts. And your spirit is clear in this room. To each and every one of us, the thing that we need to stop pursuing or the thing that we need to maybe bring down on the list so we can put you back up at the top. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.